Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. Dana here today, and we are back to a little bit of our regularly scheduled interview programming in between some more holiday episodes. So first of all, we hope you had a nice holiday weekend. And we hope that the Tough Conversations holiday guide that we gave out was really helpful. If things came up over the holiday that you were like, oh, would really love to have a response for that for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever other holidays are coming up for you, please send us an email, hello at wholeheartedeating.com, or reach out to me or Christina on Instagram, and we'll see how we can provide some more support on the podcast. Or, you know, you can always reach out if you are interested in working together one-on-one, whether it's just for, you know, some support around the holidays, or you do need more clinical nutrition support for chronic symptom management. So speaking of that, let's talk about our guest today. So our guest is Nicole Jardim, who is a certified women's health coach, writer, speaker, mentor, and the creator of Fix Your Period, which is not only a book that we're going to be talking about today, but also a series of programs that work to empower women and menstruators to reclaim their hormone health using a method that combines evidence-based information with simplicity and, as she calls it, sass. So on today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Nicole about healthy periods and, quote, ideal body weight, um, how the pill doesn't actually fix your period or your hormones, and how to work on balancing your hormones without it becoming an obsession or taking over your life. Thank you so much for coming on, Nicole. Yeah, I'm really you. excited to talk to you. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to have this conversation. And I love what you guys are up to in the world too. I feel like this is something I wanted to talk about on the podcast, just to talk about the fact that food is just so crazy. <laughs> People have just made it into such a thing that it's not. And, you know, so I could really relate to a lot of what you guys talk about in your work and on your podcast too. Oh, thank you. People make food such a big deal you go through school and like food is such a big deal and food can fix everything. And it's like, instead of giving a, in the medical field, here's a pill to fix your problem. When you go through dietetics and nutrition school, here's an elimination diet to fix your problem. And then we're ignoring all the people who are like, wait a minute, I now have so many food rules floating around in my head that the stress and anxiety of this is actually making my symptoms worse. I think it's going to be fixed by just adding more food rules on top of this. But you know, this plays into a lot of hormonal issues as well, but uh, it's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. It is such a huge mess. I know. I feel like there's just so much confusion and and then it leaves women in a place of analysis paralysis and they're like, okay, whatever. I give up. Yeah, which we lovingly call the nutrition jungle. So it's just like this, like, what is happening kind of information overload so much of that plays such a big role in how we, how our body 
handles that. And we don't think of that as like added stress. We think of, you know, having three different jobs and wanting to wear three different hats and stress of pandemic as things that impact our hormones. But we don't often think about the relationship with food and all this analysis that we have running around our head, all these different rules, as Dana said, impacting and how that plays such a big role in how our hormones function. Graham, we saw you posted like there's no one weight or body shape that promotes a healthy period. I'd love to hear you talk more about like what inspired that post for you and what kind of led you to this place where thinking, let's pump the brakes on all this nutrition talk. Yes. I, you know, I've been talking about this for a while and I actually just recorded a podcast on my podcast about this exact issue. And I wrote about it in the book as well, because what I've seen over the years in myself with my own experience as a teenager and someone in her early twenties who really struggled with all the different diets and wanting to be a certain weight, cause that was going to make me whole and, <laughs> and make me worthy and all of these other things you think about because we live in a society that perpetuates this ridiculous myth um, is that, you know, I struggled and I've seen this over and over again. And what I've seen is most commonly is that your ideal weight or the way that you think you should be is usually the weight that's going to cause even more period problems. Like it causes metabolic dysfunction. It causes uh, dysfunction with your endocrine system as a whole. And then that leads to the period issues. I think a lot of us don't realize that when you start experiencing period related problems or cycle, you know, whole cycle problems, what that usually indicates to me is that things have been brewing for a long time. Your period is, you know, I consider it to be the canary in the coal mine because it's telling you things that you might otherwise not know, but it's usually telling you things because all the other warning signals are ignored or we don't even know to look for them in the first place. So coming back to that, what I have seen is uh, a lot of women gunning for a certain weight and it's usually on the lower end of the scale and they end up losing their periods or, you know, so they ovulation disappears completely or ovulation becomes really sporadic and they start to have really erratic periods. Um, you know, and then hair loss happens, all kinds of issues show up, but particularly with your period, it usually becomes more irregular or disappears completely. And then, you know, I, so what, so I just feel like I see this over and over again. And so I, I, I always want everyone to reflect on, you know, what, the, their ideal body weight is for a healthy period. And that's really what we should be aiming for. Which is probably for most people, the ideal body weight for your body to have healthy periods is probably way different from the quote ideal body weight you think you have in your head, right? I feel like, I feel like that. Yes. I do. Every time I tried to do it, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, it never really, it never netted the results I was looking for. Yeah, sure. I was like, oh, I really look good in these jeans. Awesome. But I, my period always went crazy. I mean, across the board, every single time I got down to that weight and, you know, I was spotting profusely at different times in my cycle or, you know, my period would just disappear one month or it would come and I would just bleed forever. You know, so there was just always problems. It never felt normal or regular. And I've seen that over and I think over kind of like the the Pandora's box here too is like not only is diet culture and you know all these ridiculous women's body standards that we have then contributing to these longer term problems, but I think another problem that you can speak to is the 
lack of education around women's hormone health that we as women until we are actually taught this and really the only way that you're taught is if you seek out that education right we're not taught what is optimal with cycles right we're taught what is normal is like oh you have cramping you have pms you have all these other things oh you missed your period one month whatever you know you just don't don't have to buy tampons this month you know it's kind of stuff like that that people joke around about or will commiserate as women but we don't actually know much about our hormones at all, right? Even when you go through a nutrition education program, there's kind of like this mystical unicorn of like, oh, women's hormones, if you want to learn more about this, you have to seek out further education. So then we go out into the world as practitioners and women are coming to us and we're saying, oh, you know, how's your period? Oh, I've, you know, I've got this every single month. I've got this every single month, but I just take Midal. Like I have to take a whole day off of work. It's fine. It's like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. (laughs) Like this, this actually isn't fine, but it's normal for them So they don't know that it can be any other way. So what do you think is at the root of this education gap or lack of education? And what is a message that you really want our audience to understand about their hormones? Oh my gosh, girl, do you have all day? I feel like that education gap, uh, you know, it is so frustrating because I hear you on this and I see this over and over again and have for years and years. And I, th- what I, I think what I'm most fascinated by, and this is the question I pose to pretty much everyone who comes to me, is that we can't normalize pain, for instance, because period pain across the board is the number one problem that I see. We can't normalize pain in, a, in one part of your body, uh, and then it's not normal in every other part of your body. So uterine pain apparently is totally okay and something to be expected. Whereas, uh, you know, you hurt your ankle or your knee or your shoulder, those are not normal signs of pain. Like for whatever reason, your uterus just doesn't count. And that makes me crazy. And so I, I constantly am saying this, that we have to start to think of these menstrual cycle related problems as signs from our body. Uh, messages from our body, signals, whatever you want to call it, that something isn't quite right, that there's something hormonally awry, or there's a full system problem. So there's full body inflammation, there's an endocrine system situation happening. And, and so that's what I want to get across to everyone. And I also want everyone to know too, that, you know, like, all of these symptoms, we need to be able to understand what they are, right? This menstrual literacy or period literacy, as I've referred to it, is so incredibly important. And we live in a society that where women's health is constantly disregarded. There, you know, there are now multiple books written on this phenomenon that where women are, you know, not taken seriously in doctor's offices where they have to bring their husband or, you know, their partner or their brother or their son even to a doctor's office to make sure that they are taken seriously or that their complaints are, are listened to. You know, there are women who leave the ER and then die because they're having a heart attack because doctors don't know how to look at the symptoms of a heart attack in a female patient. So we could go on and on, but there is this massive gap. And I think that it's just a prioritization of men's symptoms and their health over females. And that's obviously slowly shifting with, uh, you know, women being included in clinical trials and like lucky us. And, you know, and also, um, you know, now we have to show evidence or or show results of what, what happens to a woman in a clinical trial with a certain medication or whatever. So we're, we're definitely moving in the right direction, but 
I, I think that it's just just a lack of a lack of priority. I mean, we can look at endometriosis research as a perfect example of why we're you know of how far behind the ball we are when it comes to just like what's going on with women's bodies. I mean, I could go on and on about the patriarchal society that we live in and blah blah blah, but maybe not everyone wants to hear that. <laughs> I think you kind of pointed out in a really great way. That I something that I like that I didn't that I don't hear very often is to look at these symptoms and kind of question the things that you think are normal as maybe they're not or maybe they don't have to be typical for you and maybe they're just typical for all women and the reason why we all think it's totally fine to have excruciating pain in some cases you know um, every month is shouldn't be the typical and we need to stand up and advocate yes and you can't tell me that this is just the lived experience of being a woman you posted something that i really like isn't a lot of times what happens and this is where it can get really muddled and we're often if we do go and advocate and ask for help a lot of times we're not given an actual resolution or root cause approach to to understanding what my body's asking for and the signals, that language the body's talking about. And instead, we're given a, a huge Band-Aid that actually perpetuates the problem. And I can see you smiling, so I think you know where I'm going with this. And that's about birth control. And I'd love to hear, because you pointed on your Instagram post recently, you said, I love how you said it actually causes an imbalance. It doesn't give you balance. I can't tell you how many clients of mine, innocently enough, say to me, oh, I'm on birth control now, so everything's fine. I'm like, ooh, no, that's a big red flag on my end from a clinical standpoint. So I'd love to hear you describe a little bit more about how birth control doesn't actually fix your period. Oh my gosh. Right. I know. I feel like if we all had a dollar for everyone who came to us and said this, <laughs> it would be amazing. And, you know, I think that, you know, just to speak to what you last said about the perpetuation of these problems, you know, there's definitely this generational problem where our mothers and grandmothers had a lot of these problems as well. And they had even less help available to them. And I just remember my mom saying to me, well, if you think your periods are bad, let me tell you about mine. And, and this is this belief system that's just passed down. And then of course it's, it's reaffirmed by pretty much all the doctors that we'll see, unless you're seeing someone who's an integrative or a naturopathic doctor or someone like you ladies. And, and so this is really where I, you know, I think that this belief system takes root. And then we now have this situation where we go to the doctor at a really young age. I was in my late teens and, you know, pretty much everyone who comes to me was somewhere between the ages of 10 and I don't know, 20. And, you know, they, and you have, sometimes you have problems that are just sort of teenage problems that will eventually work themselves out. And this is your endocrine system kind of getting its, its bearings and, um, and just trying to figure out what's going on. So you might have heavier periods or you might have more frequent periods or irregular cycles. And that's just part of puberty. And, and like I said, your endocrine system or your reproductive function, just trying to get its legs. And so we run into a situation where we're told that the birth control pill is basically going to fix everything. 
And, uh, and I remember wholeheartedly 100% believing that. And I remember being so psyched when I was on the pill for a month and I had a three-day period and it was light and I had no pain at all. And it came again the next month on time. And I was like, what is, what is this sorcery? This is amazing. Uh, but of course, <laughs> things like this don't exactly exist. So what I want everyone to understand is that when you're shutting down this very important biological process, ovulation, you're essentially just replacing it with these synthetic hormones that are really, I mean, first of all, they're structurally quite different from your estrogen, your progesterone, uh, your testosterone. So you end up in a situation where you've now shut down the process that is responsible for making all these hormones. And these hormones are not just about your menstrual cycle and having a baby, they're, they are responsible for so many aspects of your overall health. We're talking about your brain function, your cognitive abilities, uh, your mood, how your mood is impacted is so crucial. I feel like so many other things, your skin, your hair, your nails, uh, your heart health, your bone health, I mean, everything. I mean, pretty much everything in your body is impacted by these hormones. So when we are told that we've got this quick fix, we're like, great, amazing, but we don't realize that there's such long-term implications. So essentially we've shut down ovulation and now we've created an imbalance upon an imbalance, so to speak. And, and now we're in this, we're, and it's not like, oh, we're mimicking pregnancy it, with the pill. We're actually mimicking what menopause is like because most people who come off the pill are, you, they have menopausal levels of these really crucial sex hormones. And of course they do, because when you don't ovulate, your body is just like, okay, we don't need to do anything here. And we're just leaving, you know, we're letting the pill take the reins, so to speak. And they're luckily doing a lot more research on this now, but they're finding that basically the younger that you start consistently being on hormonal birth control, the more long-term mental health effects it's having on teenagers and women in their early 20s and everything. Um, this was a very long time ago, like maybe over two years at this point, but I interviewed Dr. Sarah Hill who wrote This Is Your Brain on Birth Control. Highly recommend if anyone listening out there wants to see the research behind all of this and I'm sure there's been plenty more since the pandemic has been going on or it's going to be coming out more right um but so speaking of all of these different hormonal imbalances that the pill can either cause or contribute to um estrogen dominance is a term that's thrown around a lot in women's health circles both from practitioners you'll see it on social media a lot um you know even when we do stool testing and stuff we test for different hormones and uh enzymes that'll see the breakdown of hormones within the gut and it's like oh you might have estrogen dominance right but so could you talk a little bit more for the listeners about what estrogen dominance actually is and how you can confirm that's actually what it is as the root cause of your symptoms as opposed to something else Yes. Oh my gosh. This is a loaded question. I feel like I, again, need all day. You know, I agree with you. I feel like the term hormone imbalance and estrogen dominance are both thrown around so much. And I think it's really confusing for a lot of people because what does that actually mean? And, you know, and so I try to break this down, the estrogen dominance thing. I'm starting to not love that term actually really anymore. And not that I ever really did because I think it feels vague and confusing. Um, but really what I like to say to anyone who feels like they have these symptoms is that they kind of have to first figure out whether they're ovulating and if they're having 
uh, you know, what efficient or healthy ovulations. And because you can be ovulating and still be having hormone issues. And so I think that that is really important for people to understand, because I think that, again, this can be really confusing and different people say different things about these terms. So that's the other part. But ultimately, what I want everyone to know is that this idea of estrogen dominance, all it really means is that estrogen is higher in relation to your progesterone. And uh, you, so you, and usually what it means is that progesterone is on the lower side. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to, I think. And, uh, and so I think everyone, first of all, puts a lot of weight on this term. And I don't know that that needs to be the case at all. I think that we have to just work out the foundational pieces of our health journey before deciding that we're progesterone deficient or estrogen dominant or anything, because ultimately you have to do all the same things. Like all this testing is still going to, it's going to tell you things, but it's not going to change the path you have to take for the most part. I mean, you're really going to do the same foundational things. So I think at the end of the day, um, I would mostly disregard the estrogen dominance, unless say you've done a Dutch test and you can see very clearly with the practitioner that you're working with that your estrogen is really pushing down the more harmful pathways and you need to, you know, you start to rein that in. That to me is kind of like true estrogen dominance. But otherwise, I think that we could really just like take all this terminology away and just talk about what it is that we need to do from a foundational perspective. Cause I think most women aren't even doing that generally. 100% I agree. And a lot of times I'll mentally for myself, when I'm working with a client, one of the first things I talk to them about is what their cycle is like. And then also I'll talk to them about what their lifestyle is. And then I think, all right, there's foundation number one. Let's see if we can see improvement in your lifestyle and improvement in in your cycle just by doing like really small minor shifts along the way without having to go and get big tests done or anything like that unless there's a lot of data for people who are kind of new to this you mentioned signals or signs of some things like hormonal signs of things we haven't really defined that yet and i'd love for you to kind of define that okay so i would say the first thing when it comes to hormone imbalances because again another ubiquitous term totally thrown around. Everyone's like, I think I have a hormone imbalance. I have to go test my hormones. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Like what, try and break that down for me and tell me what you actually mean by that. And nobody can really tell me because they don't really know. It's just like stuff we're hearing about. And it makes sense sort of generally speaking, but what I want everyone to start to think about, and I talked about this in my book was this hormonal hierarchy where we're looking at hormones from like the biggest, baddest hormones all the way down to, down to our sex hormones, which are so impacted by all of these other hormones. And, and I want everyone to start to think about symptoms that they experience that maybe they started noticing cropping up in their twenties or maybe their thirties, and they didn't notice them before. And think about when you felt your best in your life. And usually what happens is you know, like we graduate from college, we get into jobs, life is very stressful in your 20s, plus all the 20 something angst of just being in your 20s. <laughs> it's so fun. And, and I really do think that that's where a lot of these adrenal 
um, you know, adrenal blood sugar issues really start to take root and you're in your twenties. And so you're really resilient at that point. And so you don't really notice it so much coupled with the fact that we live in a society that perpetually normalizes drinking, you know, 20 ounces of coffee before 10 AM and, you know, rushing out of the house without eating any breakfast and then ending your day with, uh, you know, half a bottle of wine or working out really hard or, you know, or starting the day working out really hard on an empty stomach, you know, all of these different things that I think are, are totally normalized. I was actually at the gym this morning and then I left and I went next door to this deli to get something. And I, uh, you know, some of the women who were in the class with me were like lifting really heavy weights, by the way, they wrapped up that, but the class by ordering these massive iced coffees. And I was like, oh man, I really want to say something, but because <laughs> I'm like thinking about their poor adrenals, no judgment. I get it. And it's just, it's something that I keep thinking about. And I really do think that like you said about the foundational thing, we're not really focusing on that. We're just trying, we're just in survival mode perpetually and we're not giving our bodies what we need. And so in your twenties, you might not notice the symptoms as much, but then they really start to show up like in your early to mid thirties, I feel like. And so that's where I think we, that's where hormonal imbalances start. They start with your adrenals. They start with your blood sugar, your pancreas, your insulin, uh, you know, not being regulated properly. And so your adrenals producing all these stress hormones, your pancreas and your insulin and blood sugar dysregulation uh, take root then, and then they become more problematic as you have babies and, you know, all of these other stressors are added onto your life and then you become less hormonally resilient. So I feel like that's where we have to start. Like, are you able to fall asleep? Are you able to wake up without feeling like you have been hit by a truck or you didn't get enough sleep, even though you did get a lot of sleep? Uh, do you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't know why and you can't go back to sleep? Are you tired uh, you know, by mid-morning or mid-afternoon? Do you feel like you need a lot of caffeine or sugar or some kind of carb or carbohydrate snack uh, to get you through um, the mid-morning or the mid-afternoon? Do you find that then you're, you're winding down or you're exhausted by 7 p.m., but then you're, you're all wide awake at 10 p.m.? Did you eat like your first full meal at 7.30 at night? And now you have that second wind and you actually, you know, your body is like, yay, we're ready to go now because we just ate a, a good meal. Um, you know, so all of these things, I think, play into the roots of hormonal imbalance. So that's where I think everyone should be looking, not necessarily for period problems. There's such an evolutionary mismatch for us females in the modern world. I think that that's such a huge problem as well, because we're just constantly trying to keep up with a society that was not built around our bodies and how our cycles work and how we function at an optimal level. But when it comes to these period problems, like we were saying, right, this, this statistically normal issue that we all experience, whether it's period pain or heavy bleeding or irregular cycles, um, is not biologically normal. And because it has been so perpetually normalized in our society, we have just, we're just like, okay, well, you know, this is just what it is. And so I think that if you have pain that disrupts your life, that you need more than say two Advil or two ibuprofen just to manage, that usually is a sign that something's up. And so I, I always want everyone who's experiencing that, even from a really young age, to think about that. Because what happens is a condition like endometriosis, for instance, which you know, it has huge uh, implications for our, our quality of life, our fertility, really so many aspects of our lives uh, is not diagnosed for mostly a decade for most women who have it or people who have it. And that is insane. And so obviously that really needs to change, but 
what we need to recognize is that it actually shows up in lots of younger girls and we don't know because it takes so long for it to be diagnosed. So if you have pain from the time you have your period or your daughter does, you need to look into that a little bit further. And then something like irregular cycles. That's the other one that I see so much of here all the time. Oh, I skipped a period this month or, you know, my period comes like every 60 days or whatever. And, uh, you know, that can be a sign of so many things, but ultimately at the end of the day, what's happening is your body does not feel safe enough. It does not feel well-fed enough. It doesn't feel, uh, you know, that it is stable enough. The environment that it's in is stable enough to ovulate consistently. And so that's what we have to be looking at, right? This really complex biological process isn't happening. And why is it not happening? So I'd say that the painful, the heavy periods, the irregular cycles, and then the missing periods, all of those need to be investigated and no, don't let anyone tell you that they're just this normal thing that you should put up with or not to worry about. When people start to notice that they're having these problems or when they start to notice, okay, this is normal for me, but this isn't optimal, right? And then we start to look into solutions because we are a nation of here's a problem. Let me figure out how to fix it in 87 different ways without actually acknowledging that there might be something deeper going on, right? So when we start to look into this stuff, especially in kind of the functional medicine space, there are all of these books that a lot of these books have the same message. Thankfully, yours does not. But it's like, oh, you have all these issues with your period. Here's exactly how you should eat. And you can only eat these foods at certain times of the month. And you can only exercise this way at this parts of the month. You have to uh, meditate every day. You have to drink 72 ounces of water when you first wake up and do all these detoxification things, right? So... It's really easy, even if you have the best of intentions of, okay, I'm trying to either maybe not go on hormonal birth control or I'm trying to recover from hormonal birth control or whatever it is, what is the advice that you can give as to how can you rebalance your hormones and start to tackle some of these symptoms without it taking over your life, right? Without becoming an obsession and then overanalyzing every single piece of data that you're getting from checking your temperature every day, for example. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, this is a really good question. And I hear you, you know, I've been, I've really been talking about this for so long with the women who do my programs. And that is this belief that we have to you know, we have to follow this prescriptive set of rules or recommendations that are going to, um, that are going to be the, the thing that fixes us for good. Um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of deprogramming, I think, around this, like around the dietary changes and the amount of supplements that one needs to take. And, you know, all of it really, because like you said, there are some very restrictive, very specific recommendations. And, and then, I think women just feel like their whole lives have been upended by this and they just can't do it anymore. And it's so exhausting. And when they finally put down the supplement bottle, they're like, oh, relief. And, and so I think that that's something to really think about, but we really have to work on this deprogramming, right? Because we've been told that we have to cut the carbs or we have to go keto or we have to go plant-based or we have to do a low FODMAP diet, you know, the worst and, and so on and so forth. And so I think that that's really, these are all really restrictive in many cases for a lot of people, not for everybody, but it does feel that way for just women who are just trying to get through life. And, and I don't think they're long-term solutions to whatever is ailing them. And I think that what they do is just ultimately create a lot of fear around food and a lot of just 
well, I just think we don't need that either. Um, but a lot of fear around food and eating. And if we're, you know, women tell me all the time, they're just terrified to eat a certain type of food because they've been told that's the only way to get better is to eliminate this thing or to uh, restrict it in some way for an indefinite amount of time. And I just really, I feel like this is crazy. And I think the goal should be to be eating better food, not less food, or, you know, or less of certain types of food. Um, we should be able to eat a variety of foods and feel well, I think. And we just shouldn't have this, we shouldn't be having reactions to a bunch of different foods, of course. That's a whole other thing. And that's you, when you work with someone to figure out why you're having that. But, uh, you know, ultimately, yeah, I just feel like food isn't inherently bad. And that I want everyone to experiment, to view this as, an experiment um, trying to figure out like what works for you individually and what doesn't work. Uh, but when it comes to this, you know, what, what you asked about the fact that, you know, we're, we're in a society or we're in a situation where, you know, we're told these things, we're looking outside of ourselves a lot. Like we're always looking to other people, the guru, the expert, someone who is telling, going to tell us what to do to just help us fix this damn thing already. And I think that we have to come back to ourselves because I get questions along the lines of, and I bet you guys do too. It's something that's like, I, you know, I have tried this diet and my period has disappeared and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? You know, and it's, and they're like, oh, I just, I got, I went keto. I'm like, well, who told you to do that? You know, and it's like some random person on the internet or whatever. And, and I'm just like, okay, well, that's, that's clearly not a diet that's working for you for whatever reason. It might work for other people to actually bring their periods back if you have PCOS, for instance, or something like that. But again, it really is a good idea to be working with someone <laughs> to know exactly, uh, you know, what exact what's happening um, and what how you should be eating and all of it. But yeah, so I hear this all the time, and then I'm like, okay, but that's probably not for you. And they're like, but they said it's going to work. And so I I keep constantly reminding women that they have to come back to what's true for them. What do you you believe do you feel that this is working for you if you've lost your period and you've never lost your period in your whole life before so yeah there's a lot more I think to say about it but yeah ultimately I think coming home to ourselves trusting our intuition which we've been told not to trust for so long since we we're kids going to the doctor telling us that there's something wrong and here's how I'm going to fix you and we shut down that that inner voice and that wisdom that I think is so crucial for all of us yeah and if we're looking at quote unquote, balancing our hormones, um, maybe we should just think about supporting it and thinking about it from a way of, okay, how can I just add more support? What can I do of these things that Nicole, like you're recommending and that people are recommending to help support those foundational things and say, let's see what settles. Um, what might that happen? Like what might happen from there? Maybe it doesn't have to be this big overhaul um, at all. And I think a lot of people become really attached to that because it feels like a life raft. Um, to me, in a lot of ways, it's just like a huge anchor pulling you down even further. Before you leave, we want to know and tell people all the places where they can find you and your book. Yeah, so I'm at NicoleJardim.com. You can pretty much find everything there, articles as well as um, my podcast information and my programs. Um, and my book, Fix Your Period, is at FixYourPeriod.com. There are sellers all over the world and you can find it anywhere, pretty much bookstores and Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the places. So thanks. Oh, and Instagram. 
I forgot about that too. I've spent a lot of time there. <laughs> so you'll find me on Instagram. Hey friends, it's Dana. Thanks so much for listening to the episode today. Don't forget to check us out all the places if you're enjoying the show. So I am Dana Monkeys underscore CNS on Instagram. Christina is Christine Hort Nutrition. Please check out our website at wholeheartedeating.com. You can also find me at realfoodwithdana.com as always. And if you have any questions or comments on the show, please email us at hello at wholeheartedeating.com. If you've been loving the show, please share it with your family, your friends, your neighbor, whoever you want to, or leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast if that is a possibility. And thank you so much. We will see you next week.